bringing you the latest in tax credit news, this is Tax Credit Tuesday with your host, Michael Novogratik. The legislative challenges have been significant. We very much need legislation. we got to produce housing. We're still in a very volatile industry. It's a challenging atmosphere for almost anyone. We can't get all these mixed signals and messages. If he doesn't have a bipartisan bill, nothing's going to happen. Alternative energy is still very expensive. Hello, I'm Michael Novogratik, and this is Tax Credit Tuesday. Today is Tuesday, February 16th, 2016. This week marks the 10th anniversary of the New Markets Tax Credit Working Group. The group was formed February 17, 2006 and began meeting on a monthly basis, although many of our members attended meetings and worked on documents on an ad hoc basis before that. Every month, my partner Brad Elphick and I lead a conference call discussion with New Market Tax Credit Working Group members to discuss pressing issues for the New Markets Tax Credit community. To date, the group has sent more than 50 comment letters to the CDFI Fund, IRS, Congress, Governmental Accounting Standards Board, or GASB, and others addressing the most critical issues that affect New Markets Tax Credit transactions. If you want to learn more about becoming a member of the Working Group, please contact my partner, Brad Elphick, in our Atlanta Metro office. Moving on to this week's podcast... We'll start off with the general news section, where I'll have a detailed description of the President's proposed budget for fiscal year 2017. I'll talk about how the proposals would affect HUD, the low-income housing tax credit, the new markets tax credit, and renewable energy investment and production tax credits. I'll also discuss a new congressional task force that was created to address the issue of tax reform this year. In our low-income housing tax credit section, I'll share two pieces of news for affordable housing. One is about an inclusionary housing policy in the San Francisco Bay Area, and the other is one state's proposal to create its own state low-income housing tax credit. See if you can guess which one. Here's a hint. This southern state is bordered by two states, each with its own state low-income housing tax credit. In New Markets Tax Credit news, I'll talk about a new report from Enterprise Community Partners that includes a host of housing and community development policy recommendations, one of them to make permanent and expand the New Markets Tax Credit. Then, in our Historic Tax Credit section, I'll talk about an Oklahoma bill that would greatly endanger historic preservation there by suspending the state historic tax credit for two years. And we'll close out with the Renewable Energy Tax Credit news where I'll discuss how you can join HUD's Better Building Challenge to increase energy efficiency in your developments. If you're ready, let's get started. In last week's podcast, I mentioned that the Obama administration released its $4.2 trillion budget request for fiscal year 2017. While many of its provisions were roundly rejected by congressional Republicans, most of its discretionary budget provisions will be used in the development of the 12 annual spending bills. Both House Speaker Paul Ryan and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell have pledged to consider those bills in regular order this year. This week, I want to share a little bit more about how the budget request would affect key housing, community development, and renewable energy programs. First of all, 
The request includes $48.9 billion of gross appropriated funding for HUD. That amount is about $6.3 billion, or 15% more than the amount appropriated under fiscal year 2016 levels. The HUD request includes $10.7 billion for project-based rental assistance, $20.9 billion for tenant-based rental assistance, $1.9 billion for public housing capital, and $4.6 billion for the Public Housing Operating Fund. And, once again, the administration has requested that the unit cap be removed from the Rental Assistance Demonstration, or RAD, program. As you know, the fiscal year 2015 continuing resolution omnibus bill increased the RAD cap from 60,000 to 185,000 public housing units. In addition to eliminating the cap altogether, the administration requested $10 million for incremental funding for RAD conversions, especially Section 202, Housing for the Elderly. The budget request included $2.8 billion for the Community Development Block Grant Program, a $200 million or 6.7% decrease from last year's enacted level. Several changes were also proposed to expand the Low-Income Housing Tax Credit Program. First, the proposal would allow states to increase their low-income housing tax credit authority by converting some of their tax-exempt private activity bond volume cap into low-income housing tax credit allocations. Second, the proposal would allow properties to qualify for the tax credit under an income averaging method. This means that units would qualify as low-income as long as the units are occupied by tenants with an aggregate average 60% of area median income. Third, states would be required to add a new fourth preference to qualified allocation plans for affirmatively furthering fair housing. Fourth, states would be required to add a selection criterion in their qualified allocation plans for preservation developments. Fifth, the proposal would remove the qualified census tract basis boost population cap. And finally, there would be extended protections for domestic violence victims in tax credit housing. Adding the affirmatively Furthering for housing preference to QAPs is a new proposal. The other five proposals were in previous administration budget requests. And the administration did drop its rate formula proposal. They dropped it likely in response to the enactment of the permanent 9% floor in the year-end tax extenders legislation. The budget proposal also had big implications for community development and renewable energy. The administration proposed, once again, making the New Markets Tax Credit a permanent part of the tax code at $5 billion in allocation authority a year. The administration also proposed, again, that the Renewable Energy Investment and Production Tax Credits both be made permanent. Overall, the budget request showed how important it is to expand funding for affordable housing, community development, and renewable energy. You can find an analysis of the budget request on my Notes from Novogratic blog. With the administration's budget submission, Congress will now turn to developing its own fiscal year 2017 budget resolution. While the Bipartisan Budget Act of 2015 set the overall discretionary budget level, Congress may decide to change that in its budget resolution. Now in other news, Speaker Ryan this month announced the creation of six new task forces. 
One of them will focus on tax reform. And that task force, of course, will be headed up by House Ways and Means Committee Chairman Kevin Brady. The group's mission is to come up with ideas to create jobs, grow the economy, raise wages by reducing tax rates, remove special interest carve-outs, and simplify the tax code. Another task force will focus on poverty, opportunity, and upward mobility. That task force will be led by the chairman of the committees with jurisdiction over low-income programs. And they are Agriculture Committee Chairman Mike Conaway, Budget Committee Chairman Tom Price, Education and the Workforce Committee Chairman John Klein, Financial Services Committee Chairman Jeb Henserling, and Chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, again, Kevin Brady. The task force's goal is to strengthen our safety net, reform educational programs to make them more effective and accountable, help people move from welfare to work, and empower productive lives. Speaker Ryan's office said that the ideas from all the task forces will be presented to the country in the months ahead, and they're a key part of Congress's affirmative agenda for the nation. I'll keep you posted. Just follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Novogratik. In affordable housing news, I have an update from here in the San Francisco Bay Area. An announcement was made last month by the Bay Area Rapid Transit, or BART, Board of Directors. BART is a public transit rail system that serves the Bay Area. Last month, the BART Board of Directors adopted an inclusionary housing policy that requires 20% of all housing developed on land owned by BART to be affordable to very low- and low-income households. It passed by a 6-3 to three vote. This policy applies on a station-by-station basis. Individual developments don't have to meet the 20% benchmark, but cumulatively, 20% of all housing built on BART land must be affordable. This allows developers the flexibility to build mixed-income housing or purely affordable housing developments. BART director Zachary Mallett said in a press release that low- to moderate-income households who live in transit-rich environments are much more likely to use transit services than those in market-rate housing. As a result, he said this policy will help preserve transit-oriented development at BART stations for populations more likely to make use of the transit services. Case in point, for one housing development that is scheduled to open this spring adjacent to a BART station, 17,000 people have expressed interest in applying for just 115 affordable units. The next steps to implement BART's new inclusionary housing policy will include figuring out concrete implementation strategies, funding mechanisms, and ways to integrate this policy into BART's comprehensive transit-oriented development policies. I'll keep you updated in future podcasts. Next, I have more news for the affordable housing community, this time from South Carolina. State Senator Marlon Kempson recently introduced three bills aimed at improving affordable housing in South Carolina. The first bill is Senate Bill 1070, and it would create a state low-income housing tax credit. The bill would allow taxpayers eligible for a federal low-income housing tax credit to also claim a state low-income housing tax credit in an amount equal to the federal credit. The bill, the current version at least, doesn't have a sunset date. South Carolina's neighboring states, North Carolina and Georgia, as you likely know, both have state low-income housing tax credit programs. 
Now, the other two bills introduced would also increase resources for affordable housing. Senate Bill 1068 would authorize local governments to increase the fees associated with building permits by 10% and require that those increased fees be used for affordable housing programs. The other bill, Senate Bill 1069, would increase a documentary stamp tax to benefit local and regional affordable housing programs. All three bills have been referred to the Senate Committee on Finance. If you want to learn more about state local housing tax credits, please contact one of my partners in a Novogratic office near you. In New Markets Tax Credit News, a recent report by Enterprise Community Partners recommended that legislators make permanent and expand the New Markets Tax Credit. Now, by any measure, the New Market Tax Credit program has been immensely successful. Since it was enacted in the year 2000, the program has helped to develop or rehabilitate more than 100 million square feet of residential and commercial real estate. It has also created nearly 750,000 jobs. And it has done this while leveraging $8 in private investment for every $1 from the government. Research shows that the program generates more federal tax revenue than the credit costs. Basically, the new market tax credit can be viewed as paying for itself. However, more can be done to make the program even more effective. First of all, the report argues that the new market's tax credit should be made permanent to reduce uncertainty and allow investors to make longer-term plans. Another way to improve the program would be to increase the amount of allocation authority available, although the report did not name a specific amount. The most recent extension of the new market tax credit authorized it at $3.5 billion annually through the year 2019. That's the same amount of annual allocation authority that Congress has approved in the past few funding rounds. Unfortunately, year after year has shown that demand for the credits far outweighs the supply. Enterprise estimates that for every project that received a new market tax allocation in 2013, there were at least nine that's right, nine fundable projects that were rejected. In addition to the new market tax credit, the enterprise report suggests creating a new federal tax credit for private investments into community development financial institutions and other community development entities. It calls on Congress to establish a non-refundable federal tax credit with a certain percent of an investment made into eligible securities offered by certified CDFIs and other community development entities. The tax credit could either apply to the total value of the investment or the annual interest earned by the investor. The wide-ranging enterprise report included many other policy recommendations, including doubling low-income housing tax allocations and increasing funding for Section 8. The report is titled An Investment and Opportunity, a Bold New Vision for Housing Policy in the U.S. You can find the report at www.newmarketscredits.com. In historic tax credit news, the state historic tax credit in Oklahoma is in jeopardy due to a major budget crunch. Oklahoma has been, been hit hard by the current oil bust and must reduce its state budget by at least $900 million from the current year. Across-the-board cuts have been ordered, and the state Senate is discussing a bill that would place a two-year moratorium on more than 20 tax credits. Included is the state historic tax credit, which mirrors the federal credit granting 20% credits for the certified rehabilitation of a certified historic structure. There's also a 10% state credit 
for renovation of a building that's not listed in the National Register of Historic Places but was placed in service before 1936. Oklahoma does not have an annual state cap. Now the bill is authored by State Senator Mike Mazie, a Republican, and the legislation would suspend the tax credits for two years beginning July 1st. It passed the Senate Finance Committee last week and will now be evaluated by the entire state Senate. The reaction to the bill was swift. Several developers have at least temporarily put their projects on hold, awaiting the outcome of the budget talks. Oklahoma Governor Mary Fallon warned lawmakers last week to be careful. She said suspending the credits could hamper the state's ability to diversify its economy and jobs, and that's a quote. She also said that the mere consideration of a tax credit moratorium resulted in one major business eliminating Oklahoma from consideration as a site for two projects. As you know, study after study has shown that historic tax credit developments bring in more income than they cost in foregone revenue. We'll have to wait and see what happens in Oklahoma as legislators look for ways to handle what is obviously a significant challenge. If you have any questions about state historic tax credits, whether in Oklahoma or elsewhere. Call my partner, Charlie Ruda, in our Boston, Massachusetts office. Turning to renewable energy tax credit news, HUD will hold a series of briefings on its Better Buildings Challenge, or BBC. The briefings are part of an effort to expand participation in the BBC, particularly within the multifamily residential sector. The BBC is part of the President's Climate Action Plan that was announced in late 2013. The Department of Energy and HUD created BBC, which asked rental housing property owners and managers to make a public commitment to energy efficiency. The goal? To mitigate climate change and improve financial stability in both market rate and affordable multifamily markets. According to HUD, more than 85 multifamily organizations have already taken the pledge, with roughly 270,000 households affected. Some of the practices implemented at developments include on-site solar and wind facilities. HUD's Office of Multifamily Housing and its Officer of Economic Resilience are seeking new BBC partners by March 1st. Those who make the commitment by then will be announced at the BBC Summit in Washington, D.C. in May, receive a letter of support from HUD Secretary Julian Castro, and be eligible for financial and policy incentives from the Office of Multifamily Policy. HUD will host special briefing sessions on the benefits of becoming a BBC partner this month and next month. For more information, go to www.hud.gov. Well, that brings me to the end of this week's report. I invite you to join me again next week for another Tax Credit Tuesday. But before we end, I'd like to announce that Novogratic is offering the Low-Income Housing Tax Credit Property Compliance Workshop for the first time online. The course is designed to help low-income housing tax credit property owners and managers stay up-to-date on important compliance issues. The online workshop is coming up April 19th and 20th, and you can register at www.novaco.com. That's it for now. This is Michael Novogratik. Thanks for listening. This weekly podcast has been brought to you by Novogratik and Company, LLP. Archived discussions are available online at www.novaco.com forward slash podcast. 
or by subscribing to the Tax Credit Tuesday podcast in iTunes. Novogratic and Company LLP is a national certified public accounting and consulting firm with offices nationwide. Learn more about our professional services at www.novaco.com.